within us. Use Craig this morning. Pierce our hearts and change us. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Michael and Liz. We're glad you've joined us. And we're going to be in the book of Acts this morning, Acts chapter 4. I'll give you just a moment to turn there. Acts chapter 4. And we're going to begin with verse 1. Acts chapter 4 and verse 1. It says, And as they spake unto the people, this is talking about Peter and John, as they spake unto the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them. They laid hands on Peter and John and put them in hold until the next day, for it was now eventide or it was getting late. Howbeit many of them which heard the word, believed, and the number of the men, now this didn't include the women, the number of the men that believed was about 5,000. Now skip down to verse number 7. Verse 7 says, And when they had set them in the midst, when they had set Peter and John in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined for the good deed done to this impotent man, uh, there was a man that was healed that day, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. And look at verse 12. This is a crucial verse as far as salvation. Peter says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Would you join me in prayer? Lord Jesus, thank you for your great love for us. Thank you that you endured the cross for us. So you rose again. You live today. And, oh, God, we thank you for your precious word. We thank you that you are with us, that you promise you will never leave us as your people. So, Lord, we pray that this morning things would be done just like you want them done. We pray that you would be honored and glorified. In Jesus' sweet name, amen. Now, this morning we're going to examine what I would call an event, an early church event, in order to highlight some giant Bible truths and understanding and making application of these truths that we're going to talk about makes a, what I would call a striking difference as we encounter hard, arduous, challenging times. 
And so as we examine this early church event, and this is right from the beginning of the church. The church has just been birthed. As we examine this, this event, you and I are likely to see some similarities between those early years, some 2,000 years ago, and today. The enemy, your enemy and my enemy, that is Satan, he does not want you or I to even acknowledge these Bible truths. And we, uh, we're going to talk about three of those truths this morning. I'm sure there are many, many more in this, in this passage. But the enemy wants to control our minds. However, God commands us to have the mind of Christ. As a matter of fact, in Philippians, uh, we're unmistakably told to let this mind be in you. Let this mind be in us. That's the mind of Christ. And his mindset in that passage is that he humbled himself. And he became obedient to death, even the death of the cross, is what the Bible says. So we're to let that mindset be in us. Now, over the past three weeks, we've looked closely at the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, remember in John 14, 1, Jesus, before he ever went to the cross, he told his disciples, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In John 14, 27, in that same chapter, John 14, 27, Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You see, our hearts, uh, that's the center of us. That's our mind, our intellect, our emotions, the very center of who we are, gravitate they have a tendency, our hearts have a tendency to gravitate to fear. And so uh, I had an old high school football coach that used to say, it, it, as he was kind of growling, get your head up. And so we have to consciously get our eyes, our mind, our focus on Jesus Christ. In John 16.33, Jesus said unto his disciples, in the world... You shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. That's before he went to the cross once again that he said those things. Now this morning, the context is about 50 plus days after the resurrection of Jesus. So we're just over 50 days past the resurrection of Jesus. The Holy Spirit had given birth, if you would, to the, the church. The church has just been born at that time. People were getting saved by the thousands. Things were going great. But behind the scenes, in the spirit world, the battle was looming, as it is today. I think you would agree with me on that. The battle is looming. The enemy of the cross was on the move. And so the first Bible truth that we're going to talk about this morning, once again, we're going to talk about three Bible truths that are clear. And God wants us to know these truths. The first one this morning is that Satan hates the church. That's important to remember. 
The second Bible truth that we're going to talk about is that God wants us, He wants you and I to submit to the work of the Holy Spirit. And the third Bible truth is that God is able to take a hard situation, a difficult situation, a challenging circumstance, and He is able to turn it into something truly beautiful, truly amazing. And so let's look at the first truth that God wants us to remember, and that is that Satan hates the church. Now, if you were to turn back with me one chapter, chapter 3 of Acts, we'll see what led up to the arrest of, of Peter and John. So remember, we're 50 days plus out from the resurrection. And uh, remember, Peter and John were the first two. You remember this from last week. They were the first two men to arrive at the empty tomb. Now, there were some women that had already gotten there, and I think that's interesting. But these two were the first two men to come to the empty tomb to see what was going on. And you remember specifically that John saw it, and he believed. He saw, he looked in there and saw those grave clothes. You remember that? And he believed. And most of the other early Christians had to see Jesus first, and then they believed. But John, he believed right off. And I think that is, uh, that's a good example for you and, you and I. And so Peter and John, you can see in verse 1 of chapter 3, they went up together in, into the temple at the hour of prayer, and it was about the ninth hour. That's about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And there was a lame man. And it, by, the Bible tells us in, in verse 2 that he had been lame from birth. People knew he was lame. And this man is he's asking uh, for alms. That means he is asking for mercy. He's asking for a donation. And so uh, Peter, down in verse 6, of chapter 3 says, silver and gold, he says, he's looking at this man straight in the eye, and he says, silver and gold, have I none? You probably have memorized this verse. But such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Now, if you were to go on down and read, you could see that this man, he, he rose up, and he leapt, he, he, he was leaping, and he was praising God, you can see that in verse 8. And all the people in verse 9 saw him walking and praising God. Now, they knew this man. He had been at the temple, and he, had, he, had, he, was, he was lame from birth. And so Peter, on that day, as the crowd gathered to see what was going on, Peter began to preach. And you can see in chapter, excuse me, in chapter 3, verse 12, all the way to verse 26, Peter preaches to these people. He tells them about Jesus. He tells them Jesus is the Son of God. And so uh, that brings us on over to chapter 4. That is the setting. This man has been healed in the name of Jesus. And so remember, we're not too many days uh, out from the cross not too many days out from the resurrection. So just a short time before this, just days before this event, Peter had denied that he even knew Jesus Christ. And now he is preaching boldly 
about Jesus. He's unashamedly preaching about Jesus. Now, I'm going to tell you, that draws fire from the enemy. Now, the name Satan means enemy, and he is your enemy, and he is my enemy. And that's going to, when, when the word of God is spreading, when people are preaching boldly about Jesus, that's going to draw fire from the enemy of the cross. Satan does not want the truth proclaimed from the pulpit. He wants preaching to be watered down and Sunday school to be a gossip session, youth group to be a playtime. He hates the truth of God's word. And he's always hated the truth, always hated it. And not only does Satan hate the church, but he hates you and he hates me individually. He hates our families and he hates us with a passion. And here's the reason that he hates us. God loves you, he loves me passionately. And Satan is diametrically opposed to God. So if you are trying to hold the line in your family. Maybe it's just a husband and wife, and you're trying to hold the line as far as morality. You're trying to hold the line biblically. Or maybe you have children, and you're trying to teach them godliness. If you're committed to seriously studying the Word of God and leading your family toward Him and His will, you're going to draw fire from the enemy. That's just the way it is. Young person, if there's, if there's a young person listening this morning, if you're serious about following Jesus, if you're serious about following your Savior, you're to be commended for that. I commend you for that highly. Historically, God has used young people to initiate revivals even in our own country. But you need to know that's going to draw fire from your enemy. You don't have to fear that, however, because anything the enemy has to throw at you can't compare to the power of God. Our God is more powerful than anything. But you need to know what's going on. Ephesians, you don't have to turn there, but write this verse down. Ephesians 6.12. Ephesians 6.12. I'll read it to you. It says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now, that verse is a reference to the different divisions of angelic spirits. See, the real battle is not that person that makes you mad or that person that gets on your nerves or that person you're having a hard time with. See, that's not the real enemy. Sometimes you might think it is. And the real enemy wants you to think that it is. But that's not the real enemy. According to that verse we just read or that I just read to you, the real battle is spiritual. We war not against flesh and blood is what it says. So now let's go back to Acts, uh, Acts 4. Let's look at verse 1. It says, And as they spake unto the people, as Peter and John spake to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple 
and the Sadducees. Now, Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. They came upon them being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in hold until the next day. They kept them overnight because it was, it was evening. See, Satan was attempting to disrupt the work of God. He hates God. And here, there we were. At the, the church was just beginning. And he was trying to stop the work of God. And once again, he hates God because God loves you. God loves me. That's why Jesus died on the cross, because of God's great love for us. Now listen, Satan's destiny is sure. It's going to happen. He is headed for what is known as the lake of fire for eternity. And here's the dangerous part. All of those who have not received Jesus as their Savior are headed there as well. That's the dangerous part. Now you can take a look at Revelation 20 and verse 15 and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. Those that don't know Jesus as their Savior... They're considered lost, and they are headed to the lake of fire. So if you're listening this morning, and I just described you, you are in danger. Please, I plead with you, don't wait another day to receive Jesus as your Savior. Do not put that decision off. In verse 4, look at it. Verse 4. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed. Now that's a saving faith. They believed that Jesus died on the cross for their sin. They believed that he was raised from the dead and that he lives. And they believed on him for salvation. That's what that word means. And it says, and the number of men. Now there were women there as well. We know this. The number of men was about 5,000. 5,000 believed. Now, look at that word, how be it. And I'm reading now the King James here. Uh, yours may say another word. But see where it says, how be it. That's an important word. See what it, it could be read like this. Verse 3, and they laid hands on them and put them in hold until the next day, for it was now evening time. But many... See, but many which heard the word believed. See, they put them in hold, but many which heard the word believed. That's what that means. So here in chapter 4, we see one of the ways that Satan attempts to disrupt the work of God is through persecution. That's an important tactic that he uses. Another, it's very interesting, another is deceit that's in chapter 5 you see that you see that in the very next chapter another tactic that he uses is murmuring that's chapter 6 and there are there are other tactics that he uses but these were tactics that satan used right up front against the church against the work of the lord now this morning the first bible truth is that 
whether you're a church, whether it's the church or whether it's us individually, if you're trying to serve God and follow God and honor God and you run into divisiveness, you run into persecution, you run into deceit, you run into murmuring, remember, Satan hates the church and he hates you. He hates me. So when you're in the heat of the battle, you need to remember what's really going on. That's the first uh, That's the first Bible truth this morning. Satan hates the church. He hates us individually. We make up the church. We're not talking about a church building here. When I mention church, I'm referring to the church, the believers, whether there's a building or not. It's referring to the people. Now let's go to the second Bible truth. God wants us to submit to the work of the Holy Spirit. Oh, this is big. Listen close. Look down at at verse 8. It says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost. Do you see that? The idea here with being filled with the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit does not mean that Peter got more of the Spirit. See, the Bible teaches that when a person receives Jesus as their Savior, I have received Jesus as my Savior at 12 years old. And the Bible teaches when a person received, receives Jesus as their Savior, they're sealed with the Holy Spirit. Now, I can't understand how that happens, but I believe it. We're sealed with the Holy Spirit. You get the Holy Spirit. And so that when you die, when I die, God will will see us. He will say, that one belongs to me. That one's mine. He makes no mistakes. So this field speaks of control in this passage. Peter was filled with the Holy Ghost. It speaks of control. It speaks of influence. It speaks of to imbue, that means to permeate, to permeate every aspect of our, of our lives. Saturate every aspect. There's a similar passage over in Ephesians 5.18. You don't have to turn there. I'll read it to you. It says this, it's a, this is a similar passage, the, the very same Greek word is not used, it's a real close Greek word used for field, but it helps give the same meaning. This will help clear, th- uh, clear things up. It says in Ephesians 5.18, and be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Be not controlled with, with wine, with anything except the Spirit. Be controlled with the Spirit. Controlled by is what that means. To cause God's will to be obeyed as it should be. So the idea here is that we don't get more of the Spirit of God, but God gets more of us. As we read and obey the the Bible, The Holy Spirit who wrote the Bible, who breathed the words, should I say breathed the words to the men, he gave the the Bible 
See, and as we read the Bible, God gets more of us as we read and obey it. He gets more of our minds. He gets more of your heart, more of your words, more of your speech. See, the idea there is being filled with the Holy Spirit is everything totally controlled by the Spirit. And the implication throughout the Bible is that God wants you and He wants me to submit to the Holy Spirit and allow Him to lead us and influence us and permeate every aspect of our lives. And so, how do we do that? How do we submit to the Holy Spirit? Well, you've heard, you've heard me go over this numerous times, but we sure need to go over it this morning. You see, as we read the Bible, that's the knowledge. Uh, uh, Paul prayed that, that uh, the Colossians would increase in the knowledge of God, that they would study it, they would read it. See, it's the knowledge. But through the Holy Spirit, we have the capability, and only through the Holy Spirit, we have the capability to understand what we're reading. And we have to dig. God's word is for us to, God's will for us is to dig in his word. You can see that in Proverbs chapter 2. To dig through his word. And, and uh, we read through it and we read across a verse and we pray, God, help me to understand what this means. Help me to, help me to understand the meaning. And then when we get to the understanding level, that's when the choice happens. And it's always a choice. It always has been. Biblical wisdom is this. It is having this understanding of what God is saying through the Holy Spirit. God gives us an understanding. And then we apply it to our lives. See, I can understand and then decide not to apply it to my life. And that's not biblical wisdom. Biblical wisdom is the proper understanding of truth and the application of truth combined. And it's always a choice. It always has been, even in the garden, even in the very beginning, when God said to Adam and Eve, you can eat of any tree except this one, the tree of the, the knowledge of good and evil. You can't eat of that one. See, they had a choice. Were they going to obey or not? They understood what he was saying. So how do we submit to the work of the Holy Spirit? It's through understanding. And we only gain that understanding through him. He wrote the word. He gave the words. We begin to understand his, his word, and then we begin to obey it. And that is, uh, that is the the biblical wisdom, that is submitting to the work of the Holy Spirit. He gets more of us. Now let me give you another verse out of, uh, out of Ephesians chapter 6. This is an important verse. It says in Ephesians 6, verse 16. Boy, be sure and write this verse down. It says, above all, 
taking the shield of faith wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Let me read that again. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Now what does that mean, that shield of faith? It not only has the idea of uh, of a of belief in who Jesus is, but that word faith also has the idea of, of believing what he says, and I believe it so much that I'm going to follow it. That's that idea. It's the idea of, of when I understand what the, what the Scripture says, and I see that it applies to me, then I have that choice of whether or not I'm going to obey it or disobey it. And when I obey it, even though I might not be able to see how this thing's all going to work out, maybe it's loving your neighbor as yourself. Maybe it's, it's uh, something dealing with tithing. Maybe it's uh, whatever, whatever verse we're talking about, whatever portion of Scripture. But when we faithfully say, Lord, I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to follow your, your word, I'm going to follow what you say, and we take that step of faith, even though it might be a hard step of faith, it might be costly, but we take the step of faith. And see, the Bible says in Ephesians six sixteen, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. See, the darts are coming those fiery darts from the wicked. And when you and I take that step of faith, when we submit to the work of the Holy Spirit of God, then the Bible says that's a shield of faith, and the wicked can't handle that. The enemy can't handle that. Those darts that he's throwing at us, those distractions, they're put out by the shield of faith. And let's review the first Bible truth this morning is that the enemy, your enemy, my enemy, Satan, hates the church. And he hates you. He hates the individuals that make up the church. If you're not a part of the church, he hates you as well. And he wants to take you straight to hell. The second truth is that God wants us, and we see this over and over and over in Scripture, God wants us to submit to the work of the Holy Spirit. He wants us to be filled with the Spirit, that the Spirit would have control of every area of our lives, every aspect. Now let's look at the next one. Let's look at the last one. God is able to take hard situations, to take a a very difficult, arduous situation, and turn it into something beautiful, something truly amazing. You see, this whole situation with Peter and John, it looked bad. Let me tell you why it looked bad. Because Peter and John were on trial before the very same court that just a few days previously had sent Jesus to Pilate to be crucified. They're before those same guys. That was dangerous. It looked bad. Satan was working overtime to stop the work of God right in its tracks. 
But look what happened. Look what God did. Thousands of people came to believe on Jesus. That's what the Bible says. If you're saved, you're going to see some of the, you're going to see these people that were saved during that time. Listen to this. Peter got to preach to the Jewish leaders. Now, that's a big deal because chances are in that group, there was a man there by the name of Saul. There's a good chance he was there. He later became Paul. Peter got to preach to those, those men. Peter and John both became very bold in preaching the Word of God. And then finally, and I want you to see this. This is a big one. This is the big one. Look at verse 21 of, of chapter 4. It says, it says in verse 21, it says, So they had further, when they had further threatened them, they let them go. See, they let Peter and John go, finding nothing how they might, might punish them because of the people for all men, look at this, all men glorified God for that which was done. See, God was glorified. That's the ultimate goal is that God is glorified. Now let's review. Let's review the the three Bible truths, and I'm sure there are many other Bible truths in this passage, but I know these three are paramount. Satan hates the church. He's your enemy and he's my enemy. He hates you individually. God wants us to submit to the work of the Holy Spirit. God is able to take a hard situation, a, a, a hard encounter, and turn it into something amazing, truly amazing. Whenever you're going through or whatever you're going through, he can handle it. He can take a, a pandemic and turn it into something amazing. Did you know that in the midst of this pandemic that you and I are, are currently in, the Word of God has spread like wildfire. I believe one of the greatest lessons that he wants us to learn through this pandemic, through this coronavirus, is for us to humble ourselves and to trust him and submit to the work of the Holy Spirit. Now listen, as Christians, he wants us positively to affect the culture around us, to affect those in our circle for Him. Peter and John did that on that day. Our nation and our world is in great need of knowing God. Now here's the question. Do you know Jesus as your Savior? He's calling you. He's calling you. Uh, let's look at verse 12 in chapter 4. It says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. See, Jesus said before he went to the cross, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
No man comes to the Father but by me. See, the, the Bible says that sin has passed on to every person. It has infected everyone. All have sinned. And we need a Savior. You need a Savior. You can't save yourself. If you try it that way, you'll end up in that lake of fire. You don't want to go there. I don't believe for a moment that you've joined us by accident. God is calling you. He's knocking on your heart's door. Would you repent of your sin? Would you turn? That means turn from your sin. Would you do that this morning? Would you turn from your sin and call on Him? Call on Jesus to be your Savior. If you're lost, I want to lead you in prayer. You can pray a prayer like this, like I'm just about to pray, or you can even say the words after me. I'll go slow. You can say them. But trust Him. Trust Him in your heart. Trust Him as your Savior. Let's pray. Lord God, I understand that I'm infected with sin and that I'm a sinner. Lord, I'm sorry for the sin in my life and I repent of it. I turn from it. Lord Jesus, please forgive me of that sin. Lord Jesus, thank you for taking my punishment on the rugged cross. Thank you for giving your precious life for me. I believe that you defeated death and were resurrected from the dead. Lord Jesus, please be my Savior. I'm trusting you with my life. I want to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed the prayer of salvation, please let us know. We want to pray with you. We want to encourage you in your walk with the Lord. We're there for you. If you're in the midst of a struggle, if you're in the midst of a situation right now, it's difficult. Maybe it's a situation, something like what we talked about this morning. Please feel free to touch base with us. Brother Johnny Tonica is going to come up, and he's going to tell you more about how you can contact us, about how you can contact the church. God bless you. Hi, Craig is right. If you've made a decision this week or you just need some prayer uh, just for whatever is going on in your life, we want to know. Uh, so if you would please just contact us.